Dateline, 11th of March, 2013. Well, g'day folks and welcome back to the Australia Desk for episode 239. And Grant, well, here we are back in studio land again after a wonderful week at uh, Avalon and uh, I think my sunburn has just about faded now. Mate, I don't know, you're still sort of giving off that low infrared glow. Well, uh, well now we've missed a few stories uh, during the week uh, in normal aviation news while we were at Avalon, but uh, I guess probably the uh, the saddest story that came out during that period uh, was uh, the death of former Qantas and Australian Airlines boss James Strong, a uh, very well-known figure in the Australian aviation industry. And uh, Grant, he died too young at age 68. He certainly managed to pack a lot into that 68 years, mate. Uh, He was uh, quoted a number of times as saying that uh, he didn't want to get to the end of his life and go, hang on, I don't think I've really participated. Well, participate he certainly did. Now, of course, he was the chief executive and managing director of Qantas from 1993 until 2001. And prior to that, he was actually in the same position in Australian Airlines, formerly TAA. And as some of our listeners may well be aware, Australian Airlines was uh, eventually taken over by, <coughs> sorry, merged into Qantas <laughs> back, in, back in the early 1990s. And James Strong was always known for uh, wearing uh, very interesting bow ties. But uh, interestingly, Grant, after he left the uh, the aviation industry, he was active in a number of other uh, companies, uh, very well-known companies in this country, including Woolworths, which is a big supermarket company here, Rip Curl, a big surfwear company, uh, an insurance group, Katmandu, and many, many others, and was also so uh, well-known as a great contributor to and patron of the arts. So uh, James Strong, I guess a controversial figure, uh, you know, in some ways, but uh, very well-known in the aviation industry, and uh, it's a little bit less for losing him. That's right, mate. They uh, have some reference to the fact that, especially when he was with uh, TAA and then later with the Qantas world, whenever he travelled, he would always be uh, keen to chat with uh, the people. And uh, it has been commented that uh, things were never quite the same without him uh, when a number of CEOs would... uh, uh, really not want to uh, deal with the frontline staff. Now, uh, moving on here, Grant, uh, some frustrating news, I guess, for Virgin. Now, we've been talking over the last several Ausdesks about their bid to take over Tiger Airways, or at least take a very big stake in them. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, who should have made a decision on that by now, has decided that it needs a little bit more time. It wants a little bit more information. And uh, listening to some radio interviews this week, I get the impression that John Borghetti, the boss of uh, Virgin Australia, is getting a little impatient about that. No, I don't blame him at all, mate. Uh, They're trying to take 60% stake in Tiger Airways. It was supposed to have been a decision earlier this year. Then it was going to have been a decision right about ooh, now as uh, this is coming out. And uh, the latest word is the ACCC is pushing this back to whenever. They're not really saying. They want to get more and more and more information. And it's got to be getting frustrating for folks. Borghetti has said he's not going to pursue Tiger at any cost. He's going to uh, make sure that it's a good deal if, he, if it happens at all. So it is there is potential here that if the ACCC puts too many conditions and requirements on, that Borghetti and co. will just walk. Meanwhile, it's making it rather hard for uh, Virgin and Tiger to get on with their planning and uh, make things happen. Interestingly here, Grant, he's uh, saying here that he wants to increase the Tiger Airways fleet to 35 aircraft. Now, I think they've only got 10, maybe 11 aircraft at the moment, all A320s. So uh, I think with 35 aircraft in the fleet over time, that would certainly make it a much more viable competitor for, I guess, Jetstar. It's interesting that the ACCC has has got brakes on this. I mean, the Qantas group is effectively structured similarly with uh, Jetstar being the budget brand and Qantas 
Qantas Mainline being the premium brand, um, you know, with this deal, it would make Virgin Australia the premium brand of that group and Tiger Airways the budget brand. So, Well, um, they're trying to say that uh, they're, they're scared that it'll bring it down to a two-airline kind of environment. Uh, even though you'll have different brands, it'll effectively be run by two organisations. And that's what's giving them the problem. But meanwhile, they're busy saying, yes, it's all looking good for Qantas and Emirates with their Trans-Tasman alliance. As you know, we've got uh, Qantas and Emirates joining up to form QFEK, as everyone's calling it. But because both airlines uh, send aircraft across the Tasman to New Zealand, there is some concern that they'll... uh, pull back on services and just work together to uh, to really uh, blitz the environment. And the ACCC is saying, no, 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 you're going to be okay so long as you don't change your number of flights. Don't go below a minimum le- level of capacity and all will be well. So hmm, interesting that they're going ahead on that one. Admittedly, there are a number of airlines that cross the Tasman, but it's a shame that they're holding out on Virgin's bid for Tiger, that's for sure. Yes, and as I've long said, I think that they would probably improve Tiger Airways. It wouldn't take that much. Anyway, Grant, let's um, let's move on before I get myself in trouble again with the listeners. Well, mate, they may accuse you of droning on on that subject with Tiger. Yeah, I could drone on about that, but let's drone on about this. The Civil Aviation Safety Authority is proposing to regulate unmanned aerial vehicles on a weight-based system, uh, which the operators of the smallest drones will be able to get approval online, according to an article this week in the Australian.com.au. Very interesting stuff. Oh, weight as in kilos, not weight as in hours. Yes, weight as in kilos. And uh, that's very interesting. Of course, there's so many different types of uh, unmanned aerial vehicles around. Uh, I remember uh, at our Christmas do a year or so back, Grant, we were looking at some of these very small camera-carrying platforms called octocopters or hexocopters or something. And uh, even CASA, I think, had to have a bit of a uh, role in regulating those. And, of course, then we move right up to the more large-scale military ones and the uh, civilian variants that are starting to come to market these days. So a lot of people uh, have quite about it, uh, but you know, it's technology, it's inevitable, and uh, you know, CASA, along with uh, all similar groups around the world, really has to uh, move to uh, make sure they keep up with it. Well, it's that uh, technology issue that's making them go into this uh, structured approach to uh, drones in, in terms of weight because things are innovating so quickly in the area that if they get specific about it, it's going to be out of date by the time it gets signed into law. CASA Director John McCormick Grant, who you met recently and interviewed, uh, told an industry group this week at a conference in Melbourne that uh, the number of holders of UAV operator certificates had doubled from 15 to 30 in the past year and uh, it was expected to double again in the next year. Now, of course, you know, to our American audience, that doesn't sound like much, but uh, here in Australia, where the population is slightly smaller, uh, that's actually an interesting uh, number and it uh, would be interesting, Grant, to get a breakdown of some of the sizes of uh, of, of that fleet. Indeed, because a number of them are very probably going to be hexacopters and octocopters or even quadracopters. But for all that, there's probably going to be a few larger ones floating around out there as well, especially on pipeline duties and uh, and so on, the more autonomous drones as opposed to the line of sight ones and or the, uh, the operator with a remote control rig. Interestingly, what they're saying here is that uh, potentially the very lightweight ones can apply for a permit online and expedite that process. And uh, I imagine for some of the, uh, you know, we've seen these uh, carrying predominantly cameras around doing things like television commercials and sporting matches and all that sort of stuff. Well, you know, it's a good idea actually to change the civil aviation safety regulations. They're talking about part 102 here to accommodate that because as I say, there's going to be more and more of them around. And I tell you what, uh, speaking of a sector where I think unmanned planes will eventually come first, let's talk about freighters. Oh, I just heard a million freight dogs scream out in anger. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame them either. <laughs> I think they'd actually be uh, quite happy about 
Qantas considering buying some more freighters. Well, you know, actually, I, I think if large-scale unmanned airline operations ever came to pass, and let's hope that doesn't happen in my lifetime, but if it did, I reckon freighters is where they'd probably start it. Much more easy for the public to uh, get used to it, I think. But uh, yeah, Qantas yeah. is looking at buying some more. They've already got a handful of freighters, including uh, a bunch of 737s and a 767, and they've been using, I think it's Atlas Air, is it, Grant, to uh, do a lot of their other freight work, but uh, they're looking at expanding that. Yeah, we'll see how this one goes. Atlas Air are currently being leased by Qantas to provide heavy lift freight performance. With them considering buying a set of 747-400s, pay a little bit extra for the fuel, but at least for the next three to five years, they'd probably work out quite well. Yeah, and it's actually uh, making them a little bit of money, the uh, the freight business for Qantas. So that's uh, that's a very positive thing. And uh, I suppose uh, they can afford to buy those aircraft, Grant, because uh, just looking here in the first six months of this financial year, they've actually made a profit and it's risen to $111 million, up from $42 million from the same period last year. That's right, mate. And a big factor in that has been two unusual, unexpected incomes, shall we say. One is uh, about $30 million from uh, selling their share of a road freight company. Uh, the other unexpected income has been from uh, Boeing. Uh, when Boeing were trying to get Qantas to sign on for the 787, I've got to say Qantas were very canny. They did some amazing deal making and set things up such that if Boeing were continuously running late and Qantas decided to let it go, Boeing would give them a big fat amount of money. And you know, I think I've heard that that was actually about $125 million of compensation they got from Boeing. Not bad. So uh, like you say, Grant, without even putting a single single airframe into service, the 787 Dreamliner is already making Qantas money. So I think I have to re-evaluate all those nasty things I've said about the Qantas board and their financial management over the last few years. Interestingly, I heard John Borghetti, the boss of uh, Virgin this week on uh, radio, saying that they are evaluating the 787 as well, along with the uh, the A350X. So well, there you go. Interesting stuff. I, I like the Airbus Grand. In fact, I like that nice grey one I flew on the other week. I think that was an A330 with some modifications. What a fantastic machine. Very comfortable ride. Well, mate, the only good thing about your KC30 ride is that you're no longer talking about the C130 ride. You know what I'm working on now, mate, is a C17 ride. Well, I am in Japan, and uh, mm, I think that uh, small packet of non-sequential unmarked bills that you handed him on the back of his golf cart last Ausdesk could have something to do with it. No, it was just three boxes of Tim Tam, mate. Works a charm. Tim Tam ah. works a charm. The new pro- currency for bribery, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think we'll leave it there for this week. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm still the jealous Grant McCarran.